Welcome, welcome back, um, Ashy Knuckle Faithful. Thanks for listening. I appreciate the support. Um, shout out to all my, my, you know what I mean, our day ones that come through every time, listen to us, give us feedback, and share our content. We appreciate you. Yes, most definitely. Always. Um, we started this thing just as a... Uh, Three three homeboys who just like to talk about fight sports, so um, it's a hobby and a good little fun thing for us to kind of bond over, get together, talk a little shit, drink, uh, like we always do anyway. But now it's just recorded. We got uh, this special. This show is going to be um, focused around uh, the review of our picks from a week ago. We're going to briefly go over our records. It's going to be pretty easy. We just started keeping records, so that's going to be an easy thing to go over. We're going to talk about the Mackenzie Dern and Mar- Mariana fight. We're going to talk a little bit about Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder. That was a good one. We had an ashy knuckle moment in that one. We're going to talk about the upcoming matchups this weekend. Aspen Ladd versus Norma Dumont. Andre Avlowski, Carlos Felipe. Julian Marquez versus Jordan Wright. And give our picks for those fights coming up. So we can get right into it and, and talk about, um, review these previous picks. Right now, each host is one and two for the year. Offic- unofficially. So, uh, first fight uh, we can talk about from that. Those of those previous picks, we had Johnny Walker versus Carlos Santos. Carlos Santos. Wow. Why do I keep doing this man like this? My bad, Moretta. My bad. Santos. I called him. Carlos? I called him Carlos. Carlos Santos. No, Carlos Santos. See, uh, hey man, this is what happens when you get high. Um, my bad, my bad, Tiago Santos. Uh, so me and, me and both me and Moses picked Johnny Walker in the over of one and a half rounds. So we uh got a win and loss. Uh, Johnny Walker lost. Um, a pretty to me, I would say is a pretty. I don't know. That decision was a little suspect. I thought Johnny did enough to win. Um, obviously, uh, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about because the judges said otherwise. They always um, do. Yeah, I don't. I stopped questioning them, bro. Like I looked at, I look at the judges in fighting the exact same way that I look at the referees in pro sports. You know what it is. They got a, they got their own thing going on. I don't know. What, they're not watching this shit. Um. We both, me and Moses, both had the over of one and a half rounds. That over hit, and I think that was a one unit bet, if I can recall correctly. So plus one for the good guys. Um, we lost the Johnny Walker fight, so that goes into the L column. And Mark went the other way completely, and he had Santos and the um, under. So he won the Santos fight, but he hit on the um. So he won the Santos fight. But he lost on the under. Um, yeah, so we can talk about we can get right into that. Mark, um, 
how do you view the fight? I mean, how, how I know obviously you took you picked Santos and you took the under. Did the fight go the way you expected, or not exactly how I expected? I expected there to be more aggression on both sides. Uh, mainly, I expected more out of Walker. I thought he was going to be a little more wild. I thought he was going to jump into something and get caught. That's why I chose the under, and I thought he was going to get knocked out. But he played a good game. He really did. He stuck to a game plan. He was a lot calmer, and he actually looked pretty good in there, to be honest. He had Santos struggling for a little bit. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I saw the same thing. I saw a much more improved, more calculated Johnny Walker. And there's a running joke that <laughs> that Kavanaugh kind of turns exciting fighters into boring point fighters. And um, this trend seems to continue with Johnny Walker it being uh, one of Kavanaugh's newest pupils. Look, I know everybody is more excited about Kavanaugh with what he did with Connor and all that, but I don't know. There's something to be said about these super gems. I mean, I know every, everyone wants to get that one guru coach that can give them one-on-one attention, but it's something to be said about these super camps. And I mean, they produce top-tier championship-level talent over and over again. And it's, I mean, obviously it's for a reason. So I, I didn't expect Johnny Walker to play a point strategy. I thought it would be more of um, the exciting Johnny Walker that we always, I mean, we kind of grew accustomed to. I mean, he has that risk it for the biscuit style <laughs> where he can get caught, obviously. And, but he also you know, put up highlight finishes in that same style. So, I mean, I like it. I, I expected that. I expected a firefight between him and Santos. Both guys have the ability to shut the lights out. And sometimes that happens. Both guys just respect each other a little bit too much. And you're going to get that. So, Mo, what'd you think? Yeah, I was watching it with my homeboy. And um, I thought Johnny Walker had rounds two, four, and five. But I'm not a judge. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you, um, I think we kind of scored this fight very, very similarly. Because I had had it very close to that same thing. I had Walker winning three of the five rounds. But it wasn't like decisively. It was just whoever did a little bit more. Because it it looked like hard sparring to me the whole fight. Yeah, I I agree. I I did, like I said, I expected a firefight. I didn't get one. This fight was, there wasn't much. I mean, like you said, hard sparring match. I agree with that assessment. I think it was a hard sparring match, pretty much. Uh, it wasn't what I expected, but I did I did like seeing Walker being more calculated. That's something that I think is going to help him in the future. Um, but to be fair, I don't think I would have been upset if, it, if the decision went either way, to be honest. Yes. It was yeah, one of those fights. Yeah, it was one of those fights where I would have loved it to go my way because of where I put my money. <laughs> but other than that, as a spectator, nah, there wasn't much going on there. So um, that, seemed, that's, that seems to be the theme of that weekend, though. Yeah, and then we had uh, Kevin Holland getting headbutted in the chin. 
The greatest headbutt ever. It was crazy. We had Kyle Dawkins versus Kevin Holland. We made picks on that one, too. That was one that I kind of, I mean, we, I felt really good about that one. I, that was a two-unit bet. Had Kevin Holland, um, I thought he would just win, and I thought this would be an easy way to pick up an extra bet. But um, that fight got, you know, obviously called a no contest with that headbutt. Crazy, they didn't immediately stop the action on that. Because it, was, it wasn't just headbutt and over, right? No, no, no. He, he def- tried to defend the choke for a little bit, then he finally got choked out. Yeah, he got knocked out by that headbutt. Literally knocked out, but then he recovered kind of quickly, but Dawkins jumped on a rear naked? Yeah, he jumped naked? on his back. Yeah. And choked him out right afterwards. Which I think the judge's decision to call that a no contest was the correct decision. Just throw that out there. It was the right thing to do. Yeah. I because think it was right. Go ahead. I was going to say, that, that headbutt was nasty. It obviously was unintentional, yep. but it completely changed that fight. Right. I think it, um, the headbutt obviously hugely impacted the fight. But I'm surprised they didn't just wave it off. Well, at least review it immediately, because like he went down. Um, so it's like, what, what, if you know, that, I mean, I don't know. It's, I guess it's weird because like it's happening so fast. Sometimes those clash of heads can, you know, what I mean, when guys are stepping into each other, it happens kind of fast, and uh, so they may have just let it play out in case it was a strike. Um, that's, that's all I can think of. To be fair, if you if you watch the replay of it and you see the the ref, he calls for an immediate replay of it. So he kind of saw something, but he wasn't sure of what he saw. And then he was about to call off the fight out of knockout, but Kevin Holland got up so quickly and started defending himself that he didn't have time to. Like, he was about to jump in and call it off just from the knockout. Okay. Yeah. But hey, what he let it go a little bit. Uh, like, challenge flags, like in the NFL. <laughs> like, hold on, man. They're throwing the, uh, the red flag. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Challenge that. You know what? That, that, that's something. Because it would be neat to see like the corner men of the other of both fighters being able to challenge certain stuff, especially like eye pokes or just like any, any kind of foul. I would say like you know, I mean, obviously eye pokes, growing shots are the most common, and it can come it can come into play whenever the fighter is um, deducted a point. So. Because sometimes, like they, they might, they might get it wrong. Like you know, the the guy might have you know hit the thigh and not the cup, or it could it could be a punch that goes into the eye and not a eye poke. Hey, I mean, I know we don't really cover the news, but this is kind of exciting to hear. Which is Masvidal Edwards for December eleventh. Official. All but finalized for a three-round fight from Mister Nose himself. Hmm. I like it. I, I thought I listen. I, I would expect that to be a five-round fight, but I like it just from the standpoint of you know this should have happened a long time ago. I would I would really like to have this three years ago. But backstage beef, two pieces in a soda, three piece. I mean. 
To be fair, I was kind of on Edward's side on that. I thought he should wait out. To be honest. That might just be undeniable if he wins, though. He should already be undeniable. I know. Like, that that's the problem. Like, Edwards should be already undeniable and next in line for the title shot that he already earned twice over. 100% agree. I, I don't think he needed to do anything to get a title shot other than, I mean, just wait. However, the champ is tied up right now. Mm-hmm. He got a match. He got a matchup coming up soon. Uh, Kobe versus Usman too. So I know everybody's excited for that. Um, Leon Edwards, though, he does get a little bit of criticism by a lot of fans for multiple reasons that make no sense to me. But I mean, look, like people see him as boring. One, then they also, you know, are giving him grief for his relative inactivity, which we already covered this. A lot of that shit wasn't his fault, uh, yeah. given you know the stipulations behind, you know how we, how every country dealt with COVID restrictions. Um, let's get back on track, though. I like it. Though. I, I like the fight song. Yeah, we'll talk about the other one seventies. Uh, Michael Venom Page against was it Doug? Right? It's Doug. Doug. Yes, Doug. My boy Doug. Doug? <laughs> Not Doug funny, but Doug. We me and Mo picked Lima. I think mean, I think we all picked Lima, right? We all picked Lima on that one. Yeah, so we all had I think we all was kinda like we really felt confident about Douglas Lima going into the rematch. Um I will say this. MVP definitely surprised me and i uh i think his stock went up a little bit in my mind that fight wasn't very eventful there was not a lot of volume of strikes it was only a three-round fight which i'm kind of like i don't understand why bellator is still stuck in 2011 with these three-round main events but i picked lima i thought lima was a better striker i thought lima would be able to not i I didn't Necessarily think he would just repeat last time, but I thought he was overall a better fighter. MVP proved me wrong, and while a, a lot of people think that Lima got uh, robbed out of that fight, being you know called for MVP, I'm not one of those people. I watched the fight. I thought Lima, I thought I thought it was fine. I I, I thought MVP getting a split decision or whatever was just fine. He did enough to me to earn it. So even though my pockets would have liked Lima to win, I don't think there was a robbery there. I feel like MVP earned that victory, even if it was a little bit of London home cooking. And so who's the um, champion of 170 over in Bellator right now? I, I am not sure. Let me look it up. Yeah, I'd have to look that one up. You want you want to take this one, Mark? No, I can look it up if you want me to. Because uh, 185 is is still um, Musasi. Yeah, 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 yeah. I drew a blank just now. Yeah, Musasi's still 185, right? And then he beat beat up uh, Rory beforehand, right? He didn't fight Lima, right? Musasi. Yeah, 
I don't think so. No. So who? Because Lima ended up with the belt, right? Or did Rory beat him for the belt? One seventy. Yeah. He lost. Well, um, he Lima was this the champ. He lost though. He lost the belt. So he beat Rory for the title. You know, I think he did. Because I don't keep up with Bellator as much. I haven't been. All these are old because they still have Douglas Lima as the welterweight champion. It's mainly because, you know, their fights happen on Fridays. Yeah, I think you can't catch him. As far as I'm concerned, I, I thought he lost the, the belt, the title, but I could be wrong. I have, I'm going to be hunted. I haven't been paying a lot of attention to Bellator because, of like, just the timing of it doesn't work out for me. Yeah, don't lose the title. Otherwise, I would have been a champion or a title fight. You know, people ask some crazy questions on Google. <laughs> What's the difference between MMA and Bellator? Huh? Wow. <laughs> Say again. Like, for real? Well, there is Bellator kickboxing. Jeez. I, got, I got it. The welterweight champion is Yaroslav Amosov. Yeah, I just found out too. Amosov. I don't know if I'm saying it right or not. You know, I butcher everybody's names. With a 26 and 0 record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where did he get from? Oh, oh, Ukrainian. He probably uh, trains with Lomachenko. Oh, he he a four time world champion in uh, combat sambo. Nice. Seems to be a uh, common theme in these undefeated. Champions, yeah. I mean, they're all from the same. Well, that's the former Soviet state, Russia. You, you go back, you Ukraine. They have some great champions too. Ukraine. Uh, I mean, the Klitschko boys was out of there. Great champions from there. It's good. Uh, from the looks of his record, it seems like he's a submission. Like dominator type of fighter, grapple heavy style. Yeah, Bellator for a little while. He got the air silver win. Yep. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of one recently. It's such a. It's so crazy how how. I would say how much more energy these dudes seem to have over there. I don't know if it's in the sauce or if it's just the fact that they don't ha- they don't have ridiculous weight cuts, but it's it's, it's insane, man. Going with the also weight partly cut. because they're all smaller weights. Yeah, that definitely plays a factor. And they're not killing themselves to make weight though. Remember, they got the uh, hydration test. Right, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, maybe that they, they might be on to something there. Because these fights, I mean, it's it's hard to find a boring one. Like, I'd be talking for the next three hours just just about how every single time I watch a, a fight over there, it's like, damn, it's always they're, they're all good. But like you yeah, said, they're definitely it, exciting. the The rules make it a little more exciting too. With they they have less restrictions. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, that stuff, Mighty Mouse got a good fight coming up. Oh yes, 
Interesting rules, but very good oh, fight. Let, let's get back on track. Let's finish <laughs> out this uh, Bellator talk. So does MVP finally get a title shot? I think it's time. Does the Cam oh. Crusher officially fight somebody? Or be former champ. And then the fact that he took the fight against Lima again, it makes it makes sense for me to for Adam he he should move up, but I don't I don't know exactly how deep the pool is at 170 in Bellator. And obviously, like anytime you get MVP, who's the one of the most talked about fighters in that organization, you get him on a, the big screen or you get him on a main event spot, and it has to help the company for sure. Well, he entered their pound for pound list. Where did he fall? Well, I mean, where is he? Number eight. Mm. All right. That's good. So we got what? After that weekend, we picked, we had three picks. Every, all of us are one and two. So it was uh, definitely, if, if there were, if there were wages being in place, that is not a profitable day. No. We well, ended up, yeah. That would be a red day. We look for black days. Black days are good. Red days, not so much. Not a big deal, though. Um, not dildo. Not a big dildo, but a deal, though. Um, although, I'm pretty sure some people find those days pleasurable. I will say that losing one unit ain't that bad. Easy, that can be recovered from pretty easily. So, um. So let's talk a little bit about Mackenzie Dern. And over the weekend, we had some good fights. Yeah. Oh, my God. This weekend was, this was a good one. This was a really good one. We had some ashy knuckle moments. All that. New contender in uh, the UFC. What is that? Strawweight? Strawweight division. Mm-hmm. You want, I think uh, this was a title eliminator, too. I believe so. I thought going in that if Dern would have win, if she were to win this fight convincingly, she would, you know, move closer to that title spot. So it's fitting that uh, Mariana get that the same treatment. Oh, they haven't changed the rankings yet. They haven't updated them yet. It's Tuesday. It'll be tomorrow. Tuesdays. But either way, I think they'll just switch spots. I don't yeah. understand how Dern and that Yan uh Shayan, the Chinese uh fighter. I don't yeah. know how they're both ranked number four. Wait, what they scheduled to fight? She just lost to Carla Esparza. Right. Yan Shi Yan and Shao Shaonan Shaonan Yan Shaonan Yeah Don't ask me to say somebody's name It's Yan Shaonan I'm thinking Shao you from Tekken so I'm saying something like that Shaonan That's where I'm doing my from But either way Given that they're both ranked number four, which is kind of odd, maybe Marina will jump up to number four, and her 
What's her record? Her only loss is what to Carla? Or does she have another loss? Well, that's her only loss is to Carla. Which is fair. Because she is very uh, weak against wrestling. What What's going on with uh, Joanna? She's been holding out for a long time because she thinks she deserves a title shot. And I think she also had a surgery or two. I mean, that would be a good matchup. Marina against Joanna. <clears throat> I yeah, don't think she that, wants that matchup. That fight's not going to the ground. Wait, you said wait, you say she, who do you, who you mean doesn't want that matchup? Rodriguez. Really? She had, uh, a lot of people are talking about that fight, and her response to that was, Joanna shouldn't even be ranked anymore because of her inactivity. Yeah, valid point. That is a valid point, because she hasn't fought since she lost the title to Rose. Right? Or Wei Lee. Wei Lee. When she lost to Wei Lee. Yeah, yeah, that barn burner. It's only yeah. been a year and some change. Still, usually after inactivity for a year, you get off the rankings. Who's next in line? Uh, Wei Li's fighting Rose again in November. Yes, run back. On that infamous day? Yeah. So uh, my question would be then, who would you put, who's next in line Besides that title fight. Honestly, I thought they were going to give Carla the rematch with Rose. I thought so, too. I didn't think the way Lee rematch was going to come. I thought the Carla rematch was going to come. So wouldn't, wouldn't either one of these fighters be jumping Carla? Carla should fight for the title. What's that? She should be fighting for the title. Exactly. So... I don't think uh, I would like to see Rodriguez versus Joanna. I mean, I think it's a good fight. It's a fun fight for sure. And I don't see why Joanna wouldn't deserve it. I mean, yeah, she has, she's been inactive, but let's be real. She's still one of the best in this division. No, I love that fight. I'm just saying that some people are talking about that. And Rodriguez herself said that she shouldn't be ranked. So I don't think she wants to do that fight. I think she wants to just go straight to the next fight being the winner of Rose and Wei Li. But if she's got anything, one more fight in her, I think. If anything, Joanna should be dropped down to like six. And then Carla should be bumped up to two. And then Marina should be bumped up to three. That's what should happen. What do you think is next for McKenzie? Oof. Maybe that Chinese girl, uh, Yan, because they're both coming off losses. That's what I was about to, or I was thinking. Yeah. The only fight that makes sense for Marina, though, is the Sparza fight, though. Because the only girl that's above her that's not on loss. And you know, and that can happen for sure. Because, I mean, what happens to, I mean, I don't think the sit and wait approach is a good one. What happens if Wei Li wins? Are we going to do another rematch with the trilogy? Yeah. So that that division, that belt can be t- like legitimately tied up for a while. 
Mm-hmm. That's why I'm not a fan of rematches. Um, like you get, especially if you if it's uh the if it's the if it's like a knockout or a sub win, if it's some kind of controversial decision, maybe it's fine. But if you win decisively, keep it moving. I don't understand why, like she's getting a rematch though. She only defended the title once. You know, it makes no sense. They want China back. Yep. That's a big market, my boy. Lots of ch ch cheddar, baby. It's a big market for sure. Huge. Huge. That's a lot of money. You, if, you, if you get a champion, it's, uh, that's the reason why there's always a push for those London boys, because there's a huge market if you got a champion from there. Correct. The whole country, dude. Like, I means. And that's a that's a that market is definitely um really coming up as far as competitors and interest is concerned. It's a lot of interest coming from that side of the world, man. Yeah, they got a lot. I think of that it's just a name players. that everyone knows. That's that's a good thing. I mean, that, I, I think that's one thing that UFC they they do a really good job of marketing. Once they once they put the spotlight on a certain fighter. Public interest definitely tilts toward that fighter. <laughs> they do a really good job of marketing with that. Which is why it's weird to me that Leon Edwards doesn't... He's, uh, he's a London guy, right? Isn't he from... Not London, but isn't he f from the UK? Yeah, yeah. You hear his accent? That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> I was kind of being a little... You know, tugging cheek. I'm like, why is he getting that push? Because, I mean, that's... A, that's you guys, that's them. You got uh, you have a champion from that Bro, side of the world. It's not like he's from Decatur or something. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you hear his accent? Oh yeah, man. He's to be real. He's tough for me to even understand sometimes. Like I'm, I mean, you know, I know he's speaking English, but I'm like, he's I can speaking be... the proper English. Exactly. <laughs> you the sound King's like you're English. from London. Over here with biscuits and crumpets and stuff. Speaking of uh, the UK, shout out to Tyson Fury for uh, getting this ashy knuckle moment, in my opinion, with that 11th round KO of Wilder, Deontay Wilder. That was a, man, that was a hell of a fight. Yeah, I wish I could have seen it, but I ended up falling asleep. Man, it was, real was nothing but ashy knuckle moments. Yes. Yeah, them boys were going. They went in. That was that was probably we probably saw one and two of the best heavyweights in the world now three times, and that fight I don't know if any other of the top five in heavyweight boxing I don't know if any one of them get up from either Wilder or you know Tyson Fury. After the kind of knockdowns both of these dudes sustained, I think there was like five knockdowns in this fight, bro. You know, okay, think so. let's backtrack real quick back to uh, Leon Edwards. He's Jamaican. I think yeah. is he Jamaican born? Yeah, or is he a Jamaican he trains in uh, Birmingham? He he was Jamaican born, yes. but they fled the country while he was young. 
and he grew up in London. Or maybe that's Birmingham. why they're not like pushing him as one of the UK guys. I mean, oh. he pushes himself as a UK guy a lot more than he does as Jamaican. Right, but that'd be like Izzy. Izzy's he he promotes his Nigerianness. Yes, but he most of his training is out of um, Auckland. New Zealand. Right, but I didn't, I mean he does give a lot of um praise to city kickboxing. But if you when he talk when he, I mean as promotions concerned, it's like uh it's his Nigerian heritage that he promotes more than anything else. Um hopefully they move here. Oh they yeah. are. Oh yeah. I'm talking about here here. Like Florida. I, oh, no, I'm talking Florida. about here. Oh, Jacksonville? Yeah, I'm trying to uh break dance with it. Him one time. Oh man, I would love to have a big. Um, I mean, that'd be good to see kickboxing come to Jacksonville. I'm pretty uh, sure think, they're moving to Vegas though. That yeah, be, that yeah. makes the most sense though. Because mm-hmm. it's a temporary move. I think they're just gonna come over here for like a year or so until this all blows over, and then just train at the PI. That makes the most sense. Nah, bro. The way um Izzy was making it sound, they want they want to be here permanently. Oh, Hooker didn't sound that permanent. Izzy was saying like basically fuck Auckland. Like he doesn't even want to do another fight there. That's yeah, what he I called them a bunch of racists. And he, he doesn't he doesn't want to fight there at all. Um, I know he was going to bat for his boy um Dan Hooker, but he seemed pretty adamant about it. So. If you want, we want to talk about that Tyson Fury Wilder fight. I know Mo, you weren't able to catch it, and I think you said you only saw the highlights, right, Mark? Yeah, I just saw highlights. Same. It was a good one. It was one. It was, that was that fight was one that that's going to go down in history as one of the best heavyweight title fights for sure. It was a good Man, one. The, the last knockdown I seen when uh, Wilder got hit in the eleventh. Man, yeah. it looked like it was just no more. Like he collapsed. Like no, I'm done. <laughs> <You know, laughs> it did seem that way in the replay. If you watched the like instant replay of just that moment, but dude got right back up. It, it was like he was on the ground, face down, ass up, sleeping for. He would have. I think he would have survived the ten count. It was. It was. It was weird. I don't know what was keeping those. I don't know what was keeping both of those guys up and active. Wilder looked like he was on Bambi legs from round three on, basically. Like he was a swift, a good breeze, and he was all over the cage. But he kept getting back up and kept going for it. It was crazy because there were some sequences where he could have finished Fury for sure. He had Fury down twice in the fourth, and. Yeah. There was a sequence, I think it was in the, I want to say the ninth or 10th round, where at the end of the round, he was all over Fury. And that was after Fury dazing him and knocking, like, it wasn't like he was just, you know, dead meat out there, even though he took a lot of punishment in that fight. He definitely went out the way he said he wanted to go out, like he wanted to go out on his shield and be a warrior. He definitely got that chance, because they, I mean, I would have, I wouldn't have minded mind seeing him get a 10 count given the fact that they're already in the 11th round it's a title fight the chance of this fight happening again is slim 
So you might, if you want to see a guy for real, like, you know, let him live up to his warrior mentality. If he wants to go out on the shield, give him 10, see if he can, you know, come back and who knows. I mean, obviously, I think Tyson Fury earned this one and he um, got the ashy knuckle moment with that. That knockdown. Was, was that the third time that Fury or Wilder was knocked down in that fight? It, I, I believe so. Isn't they don't, there some rule about three knockdowns and it's done? There's no three knockdown rule. And I think okay. that applies. That's on that, punch out. Right. And that only applies to the first. I, don't I, mean, know. I think that only. No, no. I think the three knockdown rule only applies if all three knockdowns are in that same round. I don't think it's accumulative. Like you got knocked okay. down in the first and then you get to the 12th and you got knocked down. I don't think it works that way. Excuse Even my it, ignorance, but I just. I knew something about something like that, and I was like, "Whatever, <laughs> maybe." I think the rest of the movie got off because of how Wilder. Like he look, he got he, he got planted, bro. Normally, when you face plant and catch your body with your face, um, that's usually a wrap. Yeah, I mean, in, in MMA, that's one hundred percent a wrap. Oh no, it's not even comparable because, like, if you look at the first fight, the way Fury was knocked out in the twelfth. You can wave that off easily if you're gonna go by that same, like that same logic. Because Fury was like literally sleeping on the canvas. He wasn't like dizzy and kind of recovering. He was like literally laid out flat and did the fucking Undertaker rise back to <laughs> come back and even win that goddamn round. That dude, man, Fury was a fucking beast, bro. Agreed. Fury is a goddamn monster. I got so much respect for that man. Um, he's definitely the baddest man on the planet right now, as far as heavyweight boxing is concerned. I, I look if you if you look at it, was, it, there was some. I heard these comments come up, and there's some credence to it. Is it, I know it's not gonna uh, matter much, but there was some weird shit when they were counting for uh, Fury on both those knockdowns. Both knockdowns, those counts were slow, man. They were really weird. That was like some weird ass. If you go back and look at it, some guys have made compilations of just the knockdowns. If you can look, you can go ahead and give it a Google if you want to put your tinfoil hat on and you know what I mean? I'll wait yeah. till uh, Wilder starts talking and then I'll see what uh, tinfoil uh, things happen. He said uh, his best wasn't good enough. Like he, he, He's accepting he, this one? Yeah. All right. Respect. A lot of a lot of fans um, criticized Deontay for not giving respect to Tyson Fury at the end of the fight after that crazy ass war, and we we're used to seeing that in MMA where guys or girls will go through a a fucking crazy ass bloodbath of a fight, and then at the end they both are like, you know what? Look, I gave him my best, you gave me your best. We left it all in the cage or ring. We dap it up, hug it out. And that's a sign of like respect and it's it's very endearing to fans. And the fact that Deontay didn't do that at the end, it probably cost him some fans. However, I do I look at it and like I know we all want to go big on this whole respect thing, but let's be real. Tyson Fury was not respectful at all in the lead up, which is obviously for ticket sales, yada yada yada. But in the game of the fight, they, I don't believe they touched gloves. And he called, De- I mean, what, Fury called, De- screamed, 
over to Deontay Wilder, call him a bitch. So if you call a man a like you, you call him names, being disrespectful before the fight, you knock him the fuck out. It's pretty expected to him for him to be a little salty in that moment. Uh, but if he would just taking that moment to shake hands, you know, give congrats to Fury for being the best man that night, he would have earned himself a lot more fans. That's for sure. Oh, we got some uh, fights coming up this weekend in the UFC. For the yeah. females, this is definitely somebody to get sacrificed if they win. <laughs> and I already know what's going to happen. Man, man, someone wins. Somebody's getting sacrificed. For sure. See, like uh, whenever, whenever I hear the word sacrifice, there's only two champions in the women's division where that makes sense. And that's Valentina Shevchenko and Amanda Nunez. Somebody's getting sacrificed if they win. For sure. If they win, they're getting sacrificed. But if I mean, the other one wins, I don't know. Well, let's say let's okay, so let's get let's let's break it down a little bit. Aspen Ladd is making her is it a forty five debut? I want to say yes. In the UFC, at least. I heard a lot of rumblings of people being upset that she's being quote-unquote rewarded after missing weight and not making that fight happen. She had the fight obviously canceled when she couldn't make weight. She was uh, shaky on the scales. And, you know, as much as as much back and forth as she had with Macy, her opponent now, when Macy didn't want any part of that, she didn't take the fight. When she could have gotten, you know, 20% of Aspen's purse and still fight, still keep that fight going, which means she'll get her purse. I mean, if she gets the fight in the win, she gets paid for it. So, um, where did she decline that? Excuse me, where did she decline that fight? But a lot of, a lot of people were upset. I heard a lot of rumblings, at least, of people be saying that Aspen got gifted this situation. Now she's because she's she missed weight, so she didn't get punished, and now she's going to go up against Norma in a you know main event slot. So for me, I don't think she got rewarded. Um, if she if Aspen can come out there and look good and win this fight, uh, yeah, she's going to get. She's going to be the sacrificial lamb for Miss Nunez. Not a good reward, bro. Nah. Let's be honest. With everything that happened, it's the only fight that made sense. Otherwise, they were going to lose a main event on a already weak card. Yeah. I mean, with Holly Holm pulling out, you know, they had a week to figure out who's going to fight in this main event. And there's a girl that just missed weight by nine pounds and she's already in Vegas and she's already COVID proven and everything like that. Might as well just take her and let her have it instead of having to go through all the hoops that they would have to, to find somebody else. And there's, it's not like you have a lot of pickings for the featherweight division. Was it nine pounds? I thought it was like five or four or something. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was nine. 139? 139? Maybe it was 139. Three pounds. 
No, you know, Misha Tate had a whole little feel about it. No, oh, Misha Tate had everything to say about it. I think she uh, was only one, technically at the final one, the fight at the final weight part. She was only one pound off. Like she was seven, seven, yeah, yeah. Her her original one, I think, was like a lot off. But then she went down to one thirty-seven, which is why Misha Tate was saying she was cheating. Right. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> they put a current up, and she lost four pounds. Is what Misha Tate was saying. Yeah, she she, uh, she lost four pounds of clothes. Yeah, she she lost four pounds of clothes. They did say she was wearing a uh, sweaty garments. I, I don't still like a hoodie and a sweatpants and stuff. So you I don't know. The no, other but... thing they had to say about it was she what? she stood up there just fine. But then when she took off her clothes, all of a sudden she had shaky legs. What was her hands on the towel? Her hands were behind a curtain holding something. Okay. Is what was said. There was no towel. They had like a little cubicle deal looking. <laughs> hmm Okay. Yeah. Um But either way, if she wins, she's she's probably gonna be like the number one contender for the featherweight title in the women's division and we usually know how that ends. Yeah. Or you never know. She might just fight at 135 if she can make the weight. How many times has Aspen Ladd made weight at 135? Most of the time. She only missed three times. And one was at Invicta early on. Okay. So she's only missed three times, right? Still a lot. With this one? Well, she's missed three times. Out of, she missed three times out of ten fights. Yeah, so thirty percent of the time. Yeah, so I think I don't think a move to forty-five would. I think it's a good idea anyway. I think she should. I mean, why not? Why not? Because that division doesn't really exist. Exactly. So why not be a star, up-and-coming star in a, a thin division? You can get some title fights in there because you'll never get a fight. What the vision? That, that's the problem. Like, we have what a featherweight fight once every maybe two a year. It depends on the fighter. If the woman fighter moves up for that, right? So you're basically fighting bantamweights all the time. Half of them don't even make one forty five. They they weigh in at like one thirty seven, one thirty nine, one forty. It it it's a division that doesn't exist. I just feel like if you have a name power, which right now, I mean, Aspen's obviously been in the news for, you know, some, there's no bad publicity, basically, at this point for anybody trying to build that platform up. So if she's, you know, going to get some, some traction right now at the time, I mean, she, she's not in one. And I, I, I think that, I agree with you that that division's shallow, but mm-hmm. It's not going to be, you can't make it thicker by not adding fighters. So I feel like Aspen jumping over has to benefit that division in some way just by adding one more name to the the pool. Honestly, I'm not, I usually wouldn't advocate for this, but I honestly think that the UFC just needs to cut that whole division. Like, the only purpose of that division right now is to let Amanda Nunes be champ champ. That's literally the only purpose of it. Well, I mean, it's there because she beat Cyborg, you know? 
Right. They're just that I think they're holding on to it to let Bellator know like, hey, our champion beat yours. You Big fan. I don't even know if that's fully true or not. I think they're only holding on to it just for Amanda Nunes, period. What they only created too. it for Cyborg, and right now they're just leaving it for Amanda Nunes. Because they tried doing the ultimate fighter to find more fighters for it. They did. And they did. They all then, just dropped down. Yeah, they all just dropped down to 135, and so they were left with nobody again. But it's like, Dad, I don't want a fighter there, but damn, I got a fighter here. So what do I do? I think they all saw this, the, the proof was in the pudding. I think they all saw that, you know, this division's going to disappear. The second Amanda Nunes retires, that division's gone. Yeah, she takes it with her. She takes sure. it with her. Uh, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we. I don't want to discount the, like, just time, because for a long time, there were other divisions that were just, I mean, putrid. They had no real talent. But, you know, they, maybe there's a crop coming in of athletes that want to compete a little bit heavier in the um, women's division. So, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, they don't look good. You're right. They don't look good. But I mean, I, even Bellator's division is a whole bunch of bantamweights fighting at featherweight. What is that PFL? They, isn't their champion heavier? Isn't she 155? So PFL has some, two good names over there. They got Kayla Harrison and they got Kalisha Shields. And they're okay. both 145ers. Oh, wait. I think Kayla's Shields one, might be 155. I think Kayla's 155. Kayla's 155. Yeah. They're both lightweights? Yeah. Oh, well, um, I, don't know, I don't know where to go with that then. That's what I'm saying. Like they, these girls are competing at 155. So if you have um, Harrison, I'm assuming. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously it's a big assumption that they can make 145. But my point is, there's a comp, there's competition. It's not. I mean, there's it's not the lack for athletes. There will be more because there's already some, and they're they're adding exposure to the sport, right? I mean, like Kayla Harrison's a. Uh, She's very popular. She's an Olympian. So eyes were going to be on her. And if she's constantly printing a million dollars in PFL every year, that, there's going to be some girls that are that size, that skill level, from coming from, you know, obviously wrestling backgrounds or boxing, kickboxing, that are that size that will, might want to merge over to MMA if the paydays are that good. If you can make a million dollars a year or more, Potentially speaking. So I think it's just a matter of time to get the athletes. I mean, from whatever, from other little leagues and other sports. I'm not sports, but you know, other. Well, maybe I guess kickboxing. I think that happened. Like, but like usually. Said it's just not there right now. Consistently, and 145 just there's I they don't even have rankings because I think there's only like three people in there. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like it'll come along eventually, but yeah, you're right. It's it's then it's that that pool is shallow. They they literally had Holly Holm in another title eliminator for 145. 
yep. you know what? Yeah, that's point well taken. So, what, what, what do you see this fight going? At Aspen Lab versus Norman Demond. This is one of the fights we're gonna do picks on. Mark, what do you think, man? Like, uh, how do you see this fight going, and who are you going with? This one's a little difficult to me because Dumont's used to fighting the bigger girls. But Aspen Ladd is probably one of the best Bantamweights out there right now. She's had a little bit of an inactivity, but her only struggle was to the Iron Lady, who's a former featherweight champ also. And... In all honesty, she didn't look super terrible in that fight. But I think Aspen Ladd will probably piece her up a little bit. I think it'll be a technical fight. Unanimous decision. Aspen Ladd. Okay. So you're taking uh, Aspen Ladd in this one? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and just for all the listeners out there who are, you know, getting involved in the betting, like we said, um, at the outset, when we started this thing, we're going to keep a running tally of our picks um, and talk a little bit about the numbers. Aspen Ladd is a minus... On, on some books that I can find, Aspen Ladd is currently a minus 145 favorite. Um, and Norma Dumont is coming in at plus 115 underdog. So, this is, this is a close fight. So it's, it's pretty much a pick em in the eyes of... Uh, you know, betters, you got to pay a little bit of juice or well, a lot of juice, actually, almost uh, a half a point. Um, she's I, I like Aspen Ladd in this one, too. And I would I would just pay the juice on this one. But I would also only be doing like maybe a half a unit, one unit, not much. I wouldn't go crazy on this one. Uh, let's see. No, what do you think, man? Like, do you do you see this fight going any any different? I'm going with Aspen Lad because they spelled immortal wrong for Norma Dumont. I saw that too. <laughs> no, no, no. Seriously though, I, I'm picking Aspen Lad just by looking over this resume of Norma Dumont. I don't really see much to give her credit for. I mean, yeah, she might have good jujitsu, but I think Aspen Lad's overall the better fighter. Just from seeing what I'm looking at right now. Aspen's ground and pound is nasty too. Um and this and fight She has a hundred percent takedown defense though. This uh Norma Dumont, but it's women's division and you know, not too grapple heavy in the sense. She also has seven fights total. Exactly. So I'm a little surprised. Like on the UFC website, it's she's only plus one thirty. Well, that's what that's that's um that's that's standard, right? I figured yeah. she'd be more of an underdog. You know, oh, a bigger dog. Yeah. Like plus two thirty at least. Okay. I mean, if you, if, you, if I guess if you feel that way, then yeah, it's it, it makes a lot of sense to just go lad because if you're thinking she should be a bigger dog than she is, yeah. then you're obviously getting you're getting a good bet. Then 
I like Aspen Lad in this one too. I don't really uh, look. I don't like to go with a lot of. That's a lot of inexperience for me. Like se- she only has seven total fights. Got yeah, she's six and one. Norma uh, Dumont is. I like. I, I usually like to go with the more experienced fighters, especially if um, the other person that's inexperienced isn't like some kind of phenom. Like if they're like on some crazy tear where they're just knocking everybody out and are subbing people every single time. They're undefeated and they got five wins. You know, I'm like, that's, I, I like, I, I like betting with dogs that look like that, that have that kind of stat line, that kind of inexperience. I don't, I wouldn't mind taking a chance on them, but if you only got seven fights and you're not exactly like some kind of phenom, I usually go with a more experienced person and pick them. That's what I view this as. I view this as a coin flip. And right now I like, I, I'll take uh, heads on Aspen Lad's head, that nice cranium she got. I think she'll take it up, take take it, uh, the victory itself. Yeah, great. Stay at 145, Aspen. I believe in you. Let's go. You want to talk about the co-main event of that one? Yeah. Uh, we all, we can, so we can all lock in. We all locked in with uh, one point for... Um, we're taking Aspen Lad across the board. Um... Andre Olowski versus Carlos Felipe. Andre Olowski, uh, what Norman DeMont has in inexperience, Andre has that in spades. He is extremely experienced. This man got 51 fights under his belt. Actually, more than that. He has 53 fights. So, his opponent... Carlos Felipe, eleven and one. How you see this one, uh, Mo? What are you thinking, man? I'm going with my dog, the pit bull. Straight up, just because experience. The only way he loses is if he gets slept. Well, uh, Vegas, the boys down. I mean, the, the sports. Betting world feels very similar to that. They, uh, he's not a big fan. Fa- there's no favorite. It's literally minus one fifteen, minus one fifteen. It is a pick 'em. Because he's chitty, oh, man. Cool flip. So he's very chinny. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's been a little bit more cool in his, uh, his most recent fights. He's he has, he's looking a little bit better. Like, speak, I mean, look, you got 20 L's, and we, he has been slept multiple times in his career. So to say he's chinny is fair. You, usually, chins don't get better with time. They go the opposite way. We've seen with all our favorite guys just getting bodied in the late part of their careers. Uh, Andre... Still, he's still going, man. And look, I mean, maybe that veteran savvy might get him, get him a little extra, you know, a few more fights. Who knows? I'm going Andre as well. I'm taking Andre Velovsky too. I'm gonna just. Uh, I'm saying no. So I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna even if I don't follow my heart, I'm gonna go the opposite way. I'm gonna take Philippe, man. I'm gonna just take the other side of the coin, just, just cause. 
I will. I, I never. I never. I don't like betting against Andre Alvlowski. However, I'm gonna break that rule for this one. I'm gonna do a little. I'm gonna do a little rule bending. I'm gonna go. With the, I'm gonna go with tails instead of heads in this coin flip. Mark. This is a tough one for me. It's the young kid versus the old veteran. The young kid has eleven fights under and like eleven fights, isn't it? Right? Yeah. yeah he's got twelve. Oh, he's got twelve fights under his belt, and the only one he lost was to Spivak. So I don't know. It's it's. Mm. I love Arlovsky. I want to go. My heart wants me to go with Arlovsky just because he's the boy. He's been the man forever, but. I don't know. I think it's his time. Part of me just wants to go Felipe just because he's that young guy that might have a little more heart in it. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel too, Mark. I, I don't know, dog. Like, I like Andre a lot. And while I would like to see him put on for the, for the you know what I mean, the old, the old school boys, I'd love to see him, like, come out there and starch Felipe. I just don't. Want to put my money there for some reason in my gut? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like my 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 gut instinct is saying that Philippe's gonna get this one, and it's just like I say, it's a coin flip. Don't really feel I wouldn't feel bad either way, but I'm taking tails. I usually just go with heads because I will, I'm going Aspen Lad in that coin flip. I would I would normally go down the down the board with that, but I'm not going to this time. I'm gonna just take Philippe. I think I'm going to do the same. Normally, if he's 26 against such a veteran like Arlovsky, I would go 100% on Arlovsky. But 12 fights at heavyweight, you got a decent amount of experience, and you should be able to get that name under your belt. I'm going to go Felipe or Felipe. Uh, Boy. (laughs) With an I. Yeah. I like it. Well, we got look, we got the, the last fight, so we got. Oh, well, we can give it. Uh, so, um, Mo, you're going with Avlowski. You got that long wolf status. Okay. Ride with my dog. All right, all right. We'll see how that shakes out in the rankings next time we do a show. He ain't been the same since he cut his hair. We got one more to go through too. We got um. Jordan Wright versus Julian Marquez. Um, right now the numbers are there is a true favorite in this one. Julian's a little bit over two to one favorite, coming in at in some books at minus two thirty, and Jordan Wright will be a two to one dog or just slightly under at plus one ninety. Mark, how you see it, dog? How do you see this one going? Go. I'm gonna ride with Jul or not Julian. I'm going with Marquez. Yeah, Julian Marquez. I'm going with him. I I just like his resume a little bit more, to be honest. I think it's a little more evened out on different types of people he's been fighting. And I don't know. I don't like that smug haircut the other guy has. Jordan Wright has. <laughs> so I'll pencil him. I'll pencil him Marquez for my for. Mark? Yeah, I'm going to go with Marquez. 
Mo, what do you think, man? Let me get my coin out. <laughs> I got this burnt quarter. It's a melted quarter. I'll let you know right now. I'm about to be two faced. Heads is uh who's the favorite? Marquez. Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm-hmm. Yep. The dude that uh shot a shot at uh Miley. Right? Bold moves. Bold moves. Yes. Yeah. Wasn't he supposed to get a tattoo or something? I love Miley, right? He didn't get a he asked her out on a date or something on Valentine's Day, I think, or something like that. All right, heads is a uh, missile crisis. Tails is uh what's this dude's name? All right, the Beverly Hills Ninja. Oh my god! Ah, oh, I got tails. I got the Beverly Hills Ninja. So you going with Jordan? Yeah. Oh shit. He has three fights in the UFC, and all three are knockouts. So, and he has been knocked out. Mm-hmm. Me. This fight should be a good fight, though. For both of these guys, it should break them into the uh, top fifteen on whoever wins. I just have a feeling that the Beverly Hills Ninja is a one-round fighter. Dang, I didn't know Kevin Holland dropped all the way down to 14 in the middleweight rankings. Wow, that's that's pretty far. I know they haven't been updated yet, so. I don't think he'll move very far with the no contest, though, or if at all. Yeah, it should just stay the same, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, these two should be moving into the top 15 with the win. Well, not both of them, but one of them. Dang, you're right, Hall felt like a lot. Who did he just lose to? Um, Sean Strickland. Oh, yeah. He's on his little tear right now. I mean... <laughs> Him being ranked number 10 right now in middleweight, that seems like a fair spot for Uriah Hall, to be, to be fair. Yeah. That, that, that's a fair spot for him. I mean, he moved down one, like, from the last week's movement, I guess. So. But either way, speaking of the middleweights, there's going to be a lot of... Movement coming up soon. Oh, yeah. I'm going to give my pick on this one. I'm going to take Jordan Wright straight up. Um, for two, well, I got two real big reasons for betting as to why I like Jordan Wright. Um, if you can get a fight that I, I mean, look, I think Julian Marquez is, he should be the favorite in this one. I just don't want to pay two to one on him specifically because I don't think he's that much better than uh, Jordan Wright. I think Jordan Wright's a prospect. I think he's, I mean, I know he's obviously a little bit inexperienced, 
But like I said earlier, I usually take those dogs when they're dogs. When I take those fighters with inexperience, if they have a, a, a they show the ability to knock people out and they have this like kind of young phenom feel to them, I, I'll take them as underdogs because usually that's where you get your upsets is those, those type of fighters. Um, I'm, I'm going with them. I'm going to just pay. I'm going to take, I'm going to take my underdog status, put one unit on it and hope to win two bets. Strategy reasons, bro. Try to get paid on the, on the dog dog. I don't even, I don't know. Um, I mean, I just, I'm going to take this for betting purposes. Well, I, I think Julian, I, I can see, I see why he's a favorite and I wouldn't be surprised by a loss there. I'm just taking a chance. I mean, it's pretty evenly matched up on this one. This should be a good fight. In all fairness. Yep. I mean, we, we, I guess we, we all have Aspen Lad. It's a concern. I mean, we got that as we all feel Aspen Lad wins this one. Um, we, Got a lone wolf and Mo taking off Lasky. And then we got uh Mark lone wolfing it with um Marquez. But obviously uh <laughs> Mosey flipped the coin and I'm doing mine for gambling reasons. So <laughs> it is what it is. It's what it is. It'll be an entertaining one to see how that one plays out. Yes, that should be fun. Should be fun. We got any extras for the people? Any rumors, newses, newses, notes, anything like that? Well, we got uh, Chuck Liddell beating up somebody. Oh, we can do the off of the record fights that's been happening. The new trend started by John Jones himself. This man was a trendsetter. So, like, I guess where John goes, where John goes, everybody, other fighters follow us, I guess, because. Yeah, uh, we got also Mr. Violent Bob Ross getting a domestic charge. And look, I'm not, I don't, actually, I see. I say this all the time, I'm going to continue wage. Uh, your personal life is your personal life. However, I just can't get behind domestic abuse. Uh, sorry, boys, but that's where I check off the train. Um, same time, I there's this case, these cases haven't been like you're innocent until you are proven guilty, and right now these dudes are still innocent. It's just not a good look at all. No, not at all. You know, I made I made the comment earlier about I know it's hard to find or get training in during COVID right now, but your sparring partners should not be your husbands and wives. Um, you you need to do better, people. Come on now. <laughs> MMA fighters should not work from home. Oh my god. <laughs> It's not even a joke about domestic violence at all. It's not. I mean, it's bad taste, but damn, that was kind of funny though, bro. I gotta get crazy. It's for slightly that. funny, but it's honestly <laughs> true. You should not beat your wives for you sure. Spar with your wives. I guess all good jokes have to have some truth to it. So, mm-hmm. yo, yeah, it's, it's weird because 
what I've seen um, over my uh, long, long time in following both fight sports and sports that have heavy brain trauma involved, like NHL, NFL, all that, you see a lot of domestic abuse surrounding these athletes that have severe, that have a history of brain trauma. So that's definitely something that is probably being looked into, but it's, it's, I mean, is it correlation? Is it causation? I don't know. I just think that it's so, it's too consistent to not have something there. So you see it all the time in the NFL. You see it all the time in cocky. And I mean, like some of these stars, some of the guys that it happened to that they don't, it's not promoted heavily in the news. You see some cases that are by some of the more high profile guys, but most of the time that shit gets, you don't even hear. It's just a, a ticker, a blip. It's not like major news. But it happens. If you look it up, you Google it. You go, oh shit, like there's way more cases of this than people get. realize. Yeah. I remember one re- uh, recent, in recent memory that didn't get much traction at all. Like one of the uh, linemen for Seattle beat the shit out of his girl. And I mean, he's not a big star in the NFL, but that didn't what that didn't become like just some huge you know deal. Yeah, it was like headlines for like a week or two, and that was it. It was done. I remember that. That was what, like twenty eighteen something like that. I think it was more recent than twenty eighteen, but I'm not sure. Maybe twenty nineteen, but it was it wasn't that long ago. But it was gone so fast compared right. to other things. I think that's kind of what happens usually if it's not a high profile type person. If it's a if, if when someone like John Jones, for instance, does anything, it's of note because like of who, who he is, he's such a polarizing figure in mixed martial arts. He's he's one of the best to ever do it, arguably the best to ever do it, and it's different than having a second string O lineman beat his girl. You know, like and that's going to be more newsworthy for the clickbait types of journalists. Like they they're going to get more traction. Period. So, oh, speaking of journalists, what's your guys' take on uh, Ariel versus Shop? I want to see that in the ring. <laughs> you want to see Shop murder Ariel Hawani? No, I just think that uh, Hawani really does need a nose job. So, if that hand gets forced, it gets forced. He can box, though. He can box. He can box. I don't think he's taking out Shop, though. Not that Shab was the greatest MMA fighter in the world, but th- there, there's a slight weight, weight difference. What's the weight they're fighting at? Shab's <laughs> a heavyweight, like exactly. You no, know he's not cutting down. Like at any weight that isn't like some kind of celebrity type deal. Like you saw, was it Lamar? He went up against like the TikTok dude, the little. The guy, he's like some other type. The guy was tiny in comparison. Like, it was like not a real. That would never get sanctioned outside of some kind of circus show. But, yeah. Uh, my take on it is this. I think that, first of all, Shab would curb stump fucking Mario in a real fight. But as it pertains to journalism, it's the opposite. Like, Ariel's way better. 
that comes with the sport than Shab is. Shab says some. I think I don't know if he does it just for comedy, or if he's doing it just to be, um, like he's not saying like how he really feels, or if he just has some fucking weird ass ideas about fighting and who he how he sees things. But Ariel's way more, much more, much more reliable news source when it comes to covering MMA and fight sports, really in general, than Shab is. But I don't know. I, I know they got like beef right now, and they're coming after each other. Well, really, mostly Ariel coming after Shab. Yeah, but. they're not. Yeah, Shab and Rogan. They're they're not saying Ariel directly, from what I've listened to. I don't know if they did or not. But Ariel straight up went for the jugular with them. He's just straight up Rogan, Shab. Like he's straight up letting everybody know. Yeah, I'm talking about him, and you're going to know about it. You know, this whole thing is just dumb to me, to be honest, because, like, Shab said what he said. I think he made one comment about it a while back on Below the Belt or some shit, and I think all it was was that the people that he knows says that Hawani's miserable to work with, to be honest. Okay, get over it. You said your piece, he said his thing, uh, Ariel said his piece, and now Ariel's just going off because Shab won't apologize publicly. Yeah. Get over it. He wants like, that apology. And, yeah. <clears throat> now, at this point, I probably would have, you know, been more on Ariel's side because Ariel is probably the best. Actually, he is the best MMA reporter. There is. He gets all the scoops and banned for it. Um, but UFC 200, yes, UFC 200, that Brock Lesnar scoop, but you know, and Shab's more no one takes him as a serious journalist, anyways. He doesn't even consider himself a journalist, he's a comedian and a fight fan that talks with a big following. With a big following, that's that's what he is, and he doesn't try to hide away from that fact. He's not sitting there, tr- and he will tell you that he is biased about everything. Yeah, he picked Brian Ortega one thousand percent. Yes, Okanowski, because that's his boy, and he doesn't hide from it. Yep. So Errol shouldn't take this so personal. I don't know what happened. He's like very bitter after leaving ESPN, is what it seems like. But I honestly think this whole situation is looking worse on Ariel than it is Brendan. He yeah, has his own platform now. So, or well, again, yeah. he has his own platform again. And don't attack Joe Rogan because Joe Rogan's going to, you know, he doesn't even have to say anything and his, his cult following is going to destroy you. Yeah. Okay, so uh, to touch on the whole Ariel versus Shab, I like Shab for being exactly him. And doing, like, like I said, being biased. I'm like, you don't have to be, you know, uh, get all the inside scoops and all that stuff like that. Like the thing that the things that Ariel does well, I mean, obviously that's not in Shab's wheelhouse. They're different. They're different in the way they cover the sport. That's uh, what I mean. They're not comparable. Right. Um, and also, like I said, all I was, was going to say is, uh. Now, Shab has Joe on his side. That's their buddies. 
So it's like, I mean, he's a comedian because Joe's a comedian. You know what I mean? Like he's all this stuff is kind of like all his like the fact that he has a podcast, all that. That's all based off like his relationship with Rogan. And Joe is one of the. I mean, he's kind of an icon in MMA because of his influence with commentary and coverage in the UFC. I mean, obviously, he has, he has like obviously one of the biggest podcasts in the world. So, I mean, yeah, Joe's pretty like Teflon when it comes to fight sports in my mind because I, I, I'm a big fan of his, and I think that like most are. Yeah, there's not just very few people that aren't pro Rogan when it comes to coverage of fight sports or um, podcasting in general. So, I mean, unless, unless they have a platform that's, they're also trying to compete with him, pretty much all, they're, everyone's a fan of Uncle Joe. So, the beef to me is like weird. It's like whatever. Just, I see it as more, it's like just for, to keep both names uh, in the news. High school stuff, as usual, when it comes they, to... They, they might be in on it together? Yep. No. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, if man, they were in on it together, you would get more off of Shab's side. Or, or not, because maybe that is exactly what Shab wants to show, is that he's not going to go tit for tat in that way. Let me be the face, you be the heel. Exactly. Like, cause everyone's better at it. Like he's, he's like going to be. I mean, like, it's, it's kind of like you're getting a fight with Connor. It's it's, it's kind of not. It's a it's, it's a good idea. To just kind of like shut up and let him go, because you're not going to be able to match that energy. Or Tyson Fury, like they're so good at talking shit that most people can't match that. I mean, you can get your occasional guys like Diaz who can, and there's other good shit talkers like Izzy can talk shit with the best of them, but you're not for the most part. Those guys that are really good at talking shit, we all know this from high school. They don't barbecue your ass if you ain't as good as they are. And you're better off saying nothing and letting them just have the show and then shutting them up by hitting them in the mouth when you do get to the the fight. So, yeah, I think Khabib kind of nailed that. You can just say a few things, but let the trash talker talk trash. No, so, man, sometimes when, you know, this is going left field, them trash talkers be talking all that noise. But when I get that hand in spades, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just messing around. No, it's real. It's, it's funny because, like, it's, it's, a, it's a thin line between fight fans of respect and promotion. Like, that we, we love the, when they dap each other up at the end of it and hug it out after a war or, you know, after the fight's over, they show respect in some way to each other. We um, Fight fans tend to love that. But we also love the complete disrespect in the build-up. Yes. So it's like a huge contradictory thing. Like, we want respect and love afterwards, but we love the disrespect before. And we're talking about people and their feelings, bro. Like, no one's gonna... It's gonna be, it's gonna be tough for someone to go all in one way and then afterwards, you know, be on board with going all in the complete opposite way. That's why I'd, I'm pretty sure Khabib feels exactly how he feels about Connor and he doesn't really, he's, 
He's serious when he says the things he says about Connor. He's not just paying lip service. Like, you know, Connor went, he kind of, he crossed the line with a lot of shit, man. Like, and a lot, of, a lot of stuff he said. And while it does build the fight up and make it a bigger event, I think it also builds even more resentment between the guy that was, you know, forced to endure that shit talk. In the same way as Deontay Wilder is super, I mean, I think he's always going to be salty towards Tyson Fury for, you know, the shit that he said to him. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of these guys are extremely prideful, especially in the case of both Khabib and obviously Deontay Wilder. These guys are super fucking prideful. They ain't gonna just let that go because now you want to play nice. Like, what? Well, because Connor's talking about, like, in, in the middle of the cage, Connor's talking about it's just business. He's like, bitch, not to me. <laughs> to me, I want to change your face. And I'm sure, and Deontay Wilder talking talked about he wanted to catch a body. Like he has no, in no way he has any love in his heart for Tyson Fury. That dude whooped his ass for about what twenty rounds now. A lot of rounds. <laughs> He's gonna be like, yeah, man, let's dap it up and hug it out. Nah, man. I mean, he could have obviously gained some more fans, but at the same time, I completely can see why he didn't. So as fans, we like you know, we want both the respect and we want the shit talk, and that's just a human condition, bro. We contradict ourselves at last turns. We are born to die, my G. So I feel like it's good for the sport in both ways. I like the build up. I like the. I mean, you you definitely want to see a fight a little bit more when there's some trash talk involved. It does give you a little bit more buzz, and I definitely like seeing the respect at the end when you know they leave it all out there and. You know, they definitely show some, um, they just acknowledge that, look, you're a fucking warrior, so am I. We both risk the same thing. All love, from that standpoint. I like it. I think it's good for the sport. I do think that there is a point to where it doesn't matter how much you hate each other. When you go into a fist fight like that and you both put it all out there, I think there is a point where you do gain respect for your opponent. And you can look past a lot of stuff. Not saying y'all are going to become best friends or anything, but I think y'all just gain a respect for each other that you didn't have before. History has proven that to be difficult because while, I mean, if you look at all the, the, all the awesome boxing rivalries that we've had in the past, um, unfortunately for mixed martial arts, it's, it's not as old of a sport as boxing is, so we don't have that many examples to draw from. We only have a few, and I can think of some right now. Um, particularly speaking in MMA, I guess they'd be the Chuck Tito rivalry. They're, not, they're still not cool. I mean, if you think about, like, just pure rivalries, um, ri- histor- historic rivalries uh, in fight sports, um, and, and while you get so, well, some of the guys have passed on now, but uh, it was tough for even Frazier Ali. They didn't care for each other too much after all the shit that Ali talked to Frazier in the buildup. And I mean, that can be said across the, I mean, like the whole heavyweight landscape. There was, when there was ever a crazy boxing rivalry and there was a lot of crazy shit talk, they didn't, they didn't really meet up, make up and become buddy, buddy, even after the fight. Um, in, in the history of the game. So while we do see that a lot more now, 
I, I think that you're right, man. Um, at some point, when you leave it all, all, all on the line like that, and you, you know, you both you have shared that moment. Like you, you, you do gain a little bit. You do gain a certain amount of respect for your opponent. Now, will you show it immediately after the fight? Maybe not. But I, I, I will say this: Deontay didn't make a lot of excuses in this previous one. He definitely said that, like, like I gave it all I had, and it wasn't enough. So that in itself is giving respect to Tyson Fury, because he said he gave it everything he had, and it he Tyson. I mean, it wasn't enough. So obviously, that means Tyson was better. Tyson Fury was a better man. So you know, he didn't go with the whole, you know. It did say that Tyson wanted to lean on him, which was obvious. I mean, you have a 50-pound weight advantage. You're damn sure better. You better use that size. I mean, you'd be pointless to not use it if you have a weight advantage. I mean, we hey, see in, in boxing, what's the weight classes? But in, in heavyweight boxing, once you reach the heavyweight minimum, it's the same as UFC, where it's, it's like inf- infinite. Well, UFC is two sixty five limit. It's capped, and for obvious reasons. I mean, like, it, it is a difference. There's a huge difference in like they make weight classes for a reason, and there's a huge difference in size when you have an athlete that's competing at a much heavier weight. However, at heavyweight specifically, there's a pro con deal, right? Like you trade off the size, but you lose usually stamina. Yep. If you when you add that extra mass. Um, but UFC's UFC caps at 265, whereas boxing is basically there's no cap. I don't believe. I think like you're heavyweight, and that's just it. Once you're o- over a certain weight minimum, it's like because you look at uh, Tyson back in the history, he was a really he was a small heavyweight too. Compared to he's like like the the guys he was up against, they yeah. were much um, and much bigger as far as pure, pure weights concerned. And that went all, all the way up. There were some guys that were, you know, I mean, Tyson Fury's getting near 300 pounds, bro. It was he like 280? 277. Yeah. 277. at the weigh-in, so you know a fight day, that means he's probably like closer to 290. Um, and the same, I doubt he weighed. I, I doubt he cut weight. <laughs> they definitely, definitely um, there's a prep period where they are getting ready for the scales to make the numbers look good. They're not yeah. just fighting that their exact weight. But boxing, even like I said, in most of boxing matches, the weight classes are separated by like three to five pounds. So it's it's a lot it's a lot different than MMA completely. But when it comes to the big boys, when it comes to the heavyweights, there's just a minimum. And you see and you see throughout history that there's been great fighters at both. Like at, at both, really the small scale, like the less smaller, faster heavyweights have been able to dominate the bigger, um, the bigger guys, and then you see also the bigger, more skilled, technical heavyweights run through the little, smaller heavyweights. So it's being balanced pretty evenly, I'd say. But uh, but it's a big man sport, and if you take a fight where you have greatness on both sides, like one guy is amazing. And the other guy is also amazing, which is what I think we saw in that Fury Wilder fight. The bigger, the greater big man is going to win most of the time, I'd say. 
if they're both equal. I say they say they're equal, not equal in skill, obviously, because they're not equal in skill, but they're equal in the fact that they're both great. Like, I think Tyson Fury is one of the best boxers in heavyweight history um, up to this point, for sure. He's undefeated, and he's, he's done well in his career. And Deontay Wilder has 41 knockouts and 45 fights. So yeah. he got two losses to one guy. So I would say that that definitely gives him, um, they're both great in their own right. But if you take two guys who are awesome, I would lean with the guy who is the bigger guy in that spot. Because, I mean, size matters. You can't replace horsepower. Yep. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I will say this, though, man. If, um, if I'm in Deontay Wilder's corner, uh, this man need to, he needs to train. Le- don't skip leg day, bro. Don't skip leg day. That's all I'm gonna say. I mean, he put up, he put up a lot of bench numbers, and I don't know who's in his corner telling him to bulk up and get buff and get muscular. I mean, I, I think gaining weight is a good idea, but generally speaking, if you want to have more power, I would assume you want to build up your legs because that's where your power is generated from anyway. Um, and for, for him, his problem isn't necessarily bulk. He's a tall dude at 6'7". I think he just needs to be more sharp with his left hand and be more active in combination punches. That would give him, that would give his right hand much more, um, it would make it even more dangerous if he's able to mix it up and be more. I mean, he started off, I thought the strategy to start was not bad. Like going to the body and that long jab and long right hand he used to go to the body, that was smart. But if you can keep that same energy throughout the whole fight, not gas, which it, he kind of did, um, then he'd be much more, I think, I'm be a much more dangerous fighter. So build your legs up, look on your combos, get the left hand right, keep it moving. Uh, I see, I, I see some, some fights out there too. There's, you know, Andy Ruiz, obviously. There's um, Dylan White, uh, Anthony Joshua. There's, all, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of good fights for Wilder out there. So, um, I'd love to see him get back in there and keep improving on his skills. And as far as Fury, I want to see it get unified, get that undisputed. You know what I mean? You can't do it yet, though. Yeah, I know he has to wait for Joshua, right? Yeah, he he uh, used his uh, rematch clause. Yeah, I, that's uh, how do you say his name? Usk. Usk. Yeah, Usk. The Ukrainian. Right. I, I, look, I I think that. Uh, <clears throat> to be fair, man, he might. I know he's going to go for the rematch, and obviously he should. But I would rather see Usyk and Fury, and then Wilder Joshua than see a rematch. Yeah. But they, you know how they do. They, they, them boys be using them runbacks, man, for real. Because if you lost your title, you'd want that run back too. And if it's in your contract, you might as well, right? Well, in boxing, is so different. Like, I was thinking about this earlier. Uh, and I, I'm glad we kind of got the chance to talk about it. I didn't, I didn't bring it up, but the, the, the weight of a loss is so different in boxing than it is in UFC or in mixed martial arts. Because you can have multiple losses in MMA and still be talked about in the... Like, look at, look at the Diaz boys. They got... Between them, probably what twenty something L's, and they're still talked about and revered as top competition 
whenever they get in the ring. However, you get one loss in boxing, two losses, they, people just like think you automatically fucking hot baloney or some shit. You know what I mean? And that's why I think we don't get the fights that we want to see in boxing. Like when the guys go are prime versus prime, we don't see them because one loss and people think that like you're now diminished. Yeah. I mean, in boxing, I, I don't agree that like one or two losses should destroy your career like it does some people. But there there's the difference is in MMA you got all kinds of variables on how you can lose. You can get caught by so many different things. In boxing, it's usually you just got outboxed. So when you get outclassed by somebody, it hurts a little bit more. You know what I mean? That's not I, even really true, though, because if you look at boxing history, um, there's been plenty of time where a great boxer would get an L just because that night they got caught slipping and knocked out. Like, for instance, Hasim Rahman knocked out um, Lennox Lewis, and, you know, he, he, he just got him that night. And Lennox Lewis battered him in the rematch. You know, and it's, it's stuff like that where, you know, he got an L, now Lennox Lewis has a loss on his record. Well, it's just, that's what boxing, heavy, especially the heavyweight division, where you got, like, you know, one punch can change everything. That's why it's, uh, it's, it's just, like, one loss... A few losses don't mean much because if you look at like the golden era for heavyweight, which was like the seventies, those dudes were just bodying each other. You know what I mean? Like it was. Oh, go ahead, Fisher. It wasn't one guy that just ran over everybody. It was you know, you know, you had Frazier, he had his time, Ali, Foreman, Norton, all those guys were just like you know, trading like they were you know. They would get losses because they're like, I mean, look, you're going against top comp, and that's what happens when you go against somebody that's bringing the same thing you're bringing to the table. And that's why I think in boxing, oftentimes we uh, fans get frustrated. It's because they see guys who aren't fighting each other in the prime of their careers, and it's because the money. Like when when that undefeated stigma goes away, then that you lose a little bit of mystique from fans. But it's not the same in MMA. Like, you can get a guy who gets a loss and no one cares. Like, they're like, look, he just, it's, it happens. And it should be that way in boxing. Like, it just happens, bro. You're going to, if you're fighting the best of the best, you're going to get fucking beat. Unless you just, like, are literally in the category of your own. I mean, sometimes that happens. You see it with um, Mayweather. You saw it with Marciano. It just happens. Like, sometimes, but most of the time, you don't take a L. I agree with that to an extent. Like, I understand what you're going with that, but in that same sense, boxing is spoiled by putting their stars against or creating can crushers. And that's how they get their records. That's why everyone in boxing has like a 50 and 0 record. <laughs> or at least like a 30 and 0 record because they, they, they build these people up with can crushing. So you're so used to seeing them dominant against these people. The second that they have a hard fight and a loss, they're like, oh, they're losing now. They don't have the same pep they used to because they're used to seeing them fight nobodies. And that's unfortunate. So they do it to themselves, really. When in MMA, you just, you fight good competition from the start, usually. Usually. The is, that might be true in amateurs, but not in the pros. In the pros, you're, you're usually getting really good competition. 
um, in boxing. However, it's just at the very top. That's where you like the, you see the top, like say five percent of the guys, like, the guys who everyone knows. They're that guy, you know. Like they're 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 super talented. They just don't fight each other in the, the spots where we clearly want to see them. Like, and here's a good example of that. We're not getting, you know, Errol Spence and say Crawford, or um, yeah. we're not getting the guy. Like we're not getting AJ versus, you know, Fury. We're not getting because AJ took a fight with Usyk, which a lot of people didn't even see. You give use out. I, I didn't give him much of a chance coming up from cruiserweight to to challenge AJ. I thought you know, like I gave it like I said. I always take the big, the great big guy. Over the smaller guy in uh, heavyweights, but you know, you said did, he did his thing, and I thought that was going to be a, a, a defense for Wild for not for Wilder, sorry, but for AJ, and then he would be fighting, you know, the winner of Fury and Wilder. But you never know. But that, I don't think it diminishes AJ. I just think that like, you know, he got his ass whooped, and I still want to see him match up with the other guys in the heavyweight division. I want to see. I, I think that it shouldn't. Make it a less attractive event, and you and in, in MMA is just like like you you can see guys who are championship caliber or champions just because they get an L doesn't mean we don't want to see them fight the other contenders. Like Stipe just got brutally fucking KO'd by Ngano, but I would love to see Stipe versus Gone. Yeah. I would love to see Stipe. Yeah, I would love to see Stipe versus even Curtis Blades. That's like, a great fight too. I wish that fight would be made. I really do. Stipe versus Curtis Blades right now, since they're doing the whole Gon and Naganu thing, and then if Gon wins that, they'll probably want to run a, re- a run back with uh, Naganu. Be honest. It depends how he wins. I think. I don't know. Maybe. But then there's John Jones, just you know, hanging in the wind. Who knows. So yeah. I, I don't think Stipe is going to get the title shot anytime soon. And I don't think his career is much longer. He don't, he don't got much time left, man. Yeah, so I think he needs to he needs a statement win. And Curtis Blades is a good matchup for that. Yeah, yeah and uh, you guys ready to call it? Yeah. Brian already froze out. All right, on that note, zip it up. And zip it out.